Let's go. You're listening to Making Data Simple, where we make the world of data effortless, relevant, and yes, even fun. Hey folks, welcome to Making Data Simple. I have a great guest today. We're going to have some fun as always. Al Martin speaking, your host. I have with me today, Jacqueline Rice Nelson. She is the CEO and co-founder of Tribe AI, a network of the world's top technologists that build advanced AI solutions for companies of all sizes. She co-founded Coalition Operators. That's an early stage venture fund and top woman's operator network. Prior to starting Tribe and Coalition, Jacqueline spent the majority of her career at Google partnering with enterprise companies and incubating new businesses. She was an early employee at Capital G, Alphabet's growth equity arm, where she built a 50,000-person expert network to advise growth stage tech companies like Airbnb and Stripe. Jacqueline, awesome. Thank you for being here. Did I get, did I get that right? You nailed it. I'm so pumped <laughs> to be here and to chat with you. So I'm, I'm with you. Let's have some fun. Terrific. Terrific. I'm on my game this afternoon. Well, I would ask that you start the podcast with a quick intro. If you could tell us a little bit about yourself and your experience, that would be great to, to begin. Cool. Um, so you said it well. I started my career um, actually originally in finance in New York. Um, but once I moved out to the Bay Area, discovered tech um, and spent nearly eight years at Google um, uh, initially sort of working with large fortune 500, 100 companies, um, focused on tech B2B, um, on the sort of ad side of the business. Um, I threw that work, discovered startups, um, and, uh, and ended up working with Box and DocuSign really early days for them. Um, and, and completely caught the startup bug. Um, for me, the, the speed, the pace of innovation, um, the sort of like team, um, camaraderie to like all be in it in the trenches together to solve one goal was like really spoke to me and my personality. Um, I'm a little bit of an all or nothing person. Um, so I loved that you could kind of go all in and that there were other people who were all in with you. Um, and, and basically ever since that, my whole career has kind of been going earlier and earlier stage. Um, and so uh, I, I helped launch a consumer marketplace product um, that was run as an autonomous startup under the Google umbrella. Um, uh, unfortunately, we um, were, I will say, ahead of our time, um, which is a very generous way of saying we had no product market fit, um, spent a lot of money and scaled the team up to 150 people, um, but didn't have the traction to support it. Um, had to shut that product down, um, learned a ton through that process, um, and then moved to the venture side of the business, um, which is where I um, both discovered the problem that uh, I have, am now solving through Tribe AI um, and uh, had a chance to really learn from um, some of the best engineers across Google. The reason that uh, I sort of saw um, some of that top technical talent was because of the companies that we were investing in, these late stage tech companies that had every amazing advantage, right? Companies like Airbnb, you said it, um, who had tons of engineers, Silicon Valley based, had Google as an investor. Um, they were still asking uh, pretty sort of fundamental questions about data science and machine learning specifically. Um, how do we assess these skill sets, um, particularly if we don't have anyone on the team 
who has done this before. Um, we were conducting data science interviews for many of the companies in our portfolio um, to help them assess this talent and start beginning, building the foundations of their data team. Um, but then also, hey, Google, you get a ton of value out of this technology. How can we be using it? Uh, and uh, to me, there was such a disconnect between the value I saw within Google, uh, like you know, I'm sure at IBM as well, there isn't really a part of the company that isn't run using these technologies. Um, and so I knew the power, I knew what it could do. Um, and yet even the most technically sophisticated companies that were non, you know, FANG, non sort of tech behemoths <laughs> were, were struggling to do it. And so I felt like this was the direction all companies were going to move, that every company was going to have to or need to become an AI company, um, and that there needed to be other solutions to help bridge the gap between uh, where a Google was and where every other company was, and really help actually ensure that companies were getting value out of their data and able to do more sophisticated things with it. That's ultimately what I ended up starting a company against. And the, the model is um, that we bring together top technologists focused on data science, AI, machine learning, um, and we partner with companies to build solutions they need. So whether that's leveraging from off the shelf tools or building custom solutions, we act as an extension of their team or their AI lab to help them actually get the results they need. Terrific. I do want to dive into both Tribe and Coalition. Yeah, cool. But before I do, a couple of questions just on what you introduced there. If I've done my research right, you are a political science major. I am. Uh, University of Michigan. Is that true? Yes, I am. Go blue. How do you... Yeah, <laughs> okay, great. How do you go from political science yeah, major to Google equity and AI? I mean, it's like, I don't know if there's political science in there, but... No, <laughs> I have a, a healthy disregard for knowing things, which is to say uh, I'm very learning oriented. Um, I really love to be challenged. Um, I'm comfortable being uncomfortable um, and, uh, and really like to kind of push myself outside of my comfort zone. And so uh, I, in school, uh, very much followed my interests, which was I was a political science major. Um, I, I did enough classes for minors in both art history and creative writing, but I didn't like the requirements they chose, so I didn't actually minor in them. Uh, but, but basically just really optimized for the things I cared about learning. Um, and then ended up going into banking, which has no correlation. My first job out of school um, was at Citibank in New York, um, Citigroup, um, and I worked there for two and a half years you know, zero experience. Um, and then same thing with Google. Um, I remember studying for my interview by watching uh, YouTube videos of like, you know, the chief economist, um, how sort of breaking down how the search algorithm worked um, and just sort of learning uh, everything I needed to know um, to get in the door. Um, but through the internet and through Google's own tools um, and then did the same thing once I was in. So kind of kept taking on um, additional opportunities and seeking out ways to learn beyond whatever my current role was at that moment, which has led me down the path, um, including to um, build an AI company without being an AI specialist myself. Um, and the key there is surrounding myself with the best minds in the industry um, from whom I am constantly learning. Um, and now 
having been in the AI space exclusively since 2019 um, and at this AI inflection point, um, there are plenty of people now who are starting AI companies, um, you know, who are who are far less experienced um, in the AI field. Um, and so at this point, I am a bit of an AI expert, um, but certainly didn't set out to um, to do that. It's really where I followed my interests and followed the opportunities I saw in the market. How did you end up with in Alphabet's or Google, sorry, growth equity arm? Yeah. No, and and by, by the way, there's a two-part question. Yeah. You shouldn't ask two-part questions on podcasts, but I do. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. but, and was the intention of purchasing these companies mm. or just giving them a boost and having Google have a share in these companies as they were being kicked off? Yeah, so um, that's great. So um, I will start there, um, which is you were right the first time. It is it's Alphabet's growth equity arm. So the the money comes from the parent yeah. company. It's a separate arm. It's not within Google, um, okay. but um, there are multiple venture arms under the Alphabet umbrella um, and <clears throat> Google um, Google Ventures, which is the early stage arm, and Capital G, which is where I was, is the growth equity arm. Um, so investing in later stage companies, neither of those entities invest for strategic purpose, which means they invest with Google's cash or Alphabet's cash. Um, they have only one LP, which is Alphabet, um, mm -hmm. but they do not invest for a strategic purpose. They're only investing to make money. And so um, the idea there is not to buy these companies. Of course, we did not you know, own a majority stake of Airbnb, um, but to put quite, quite a bit of cash to work um, and own a sizable share of that company such that Alphabet has an index on, on tech in many ways and on innovation in the sector. Pretty cool. Um, That's an interesting business. Yeah, it's really cool. I mean, in many ways, it's just like any other venture firm from a... Um, sort of uh, capital design and investment perspective. And then the way it is different is that um, the core idea was that uh, I've mentioned already, I worked on a failed startup within Google, um, that mm -hmm. at this point in Google's life and trajectory, they're not always the best at starting things, um, but where they are the best is at scaling things. Uh, and so investing in late stage companies, the value prop of helping accelerate the scaling of growth, um, of helping companies go global, of scaling their engineering, um, the security practices, um, kind of across their HR practices, everything that Google had to figure out in order to become the global behemoth it is today mm -hmm. um, is replicable and can be translated through playbooks uh, that help companies scale. And so when Google invests in those companies, A, it can bring uh, Google experts to bear to assess those companies. So ex it has a lot of built-in expertise and advantage from a diligence perspective. But then post-investment can help ensure that those companies are successful and that we're, we're likely to see a high return on dollars put to work. There had to be some times, though, where you were doing the work and you thought, we, we shouldn't mess around. We should just buy it. I... It's, no? it's, it's really interesting. I mean, venture is a, um, that's such, it's a different mindset. I actually think there's so much, um, what's the right word? There's uh, founders in our industry are really put on a pedestal in many ways. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And so I think, I think I always had such a like respect 
for the people who had started these businesses and grown it to the point where they needed to scale. Like they were already really large, huge, successful businesses. We were actually just taking them to helping take them to this next step. But without us, they already did the like, frankly, what seemed like an impossible thing, which is they had built companies that and products that people wanted to use. Um, and I, I don't know, I always had like such a respect for that, um, that like for what they had achieved. Um, and that was, you know, without our help for sure. Well, nice. So Google, before we go, one more question on Google. They always have a brand of fail fast. Does that hold or when you're, do you look back and say, yeah, that's more of a, an ambition, but look, they, they weren't so okay with it. <laughs> interesting yeah i guess i think of that as more facebook um is the like you know move fast and break things it's definitely less how google is oriented um i and i i think it's a stage and scale question which is um once you get really big it's really hard to move really like very i'm an ibm i get it yeah so (laughs) i get it but it's interesting you look at google now uh, with at, at size and it's just a different perspective, but you know, yeah, maybe not I, mean, I think, I think certainly there are, um, with the AI I and mean, with this conversation we're having today with the focus on AI, um, they have, they have to lean out and they have, um, in order to be able to move as fast as they need right now. Makes sense. Um, and so I, I, I'm, I'm very long Google. I'm still holding, uh, most, if not all of my stock. Um, and, uh, and I, I, I very much, you know, I'm betting on them to, to, play, be a, be a real competitive threat in um, the AI race. Um, and I think that is, but that will be a concerted effort to kind of reorient around speed in a way that I think um, maybe hasn't been the, the norm um, or hasn't been kind of the mode of operating without this competitive pressure. All right, let's get into it. I want to talk about Tribe and Coalition, but um, you have this dual role, which I think is interesting, yeah. the CEO of an AI company and you're an investor. Uh, I'm interested in both deeply. I, let, let me give you this lead in before I begin. Look, I, I, I do work at IBM. We just announced what's a, a, an AI platform called Watson X. Mm-hmm. So I do have a deep AI point of view. Uh, and I don't want to throw that to the curb. And I don't want to play stupid. I, I can do that naturally. But mm-hmm. <laughs> I do want to change my persona to like a non-AI person. That way I can ask some of the questions that I think the audience wants to, to know about. So if you're good with that, that's how I'm going to uh, approach it as we go in. Great. And then By as, the way, your, as your AI expert and data expert hat, um, feel free to challenge me too. Well, f- fair enough, fair enough. Um, but I want you back, so I won't challenge you too hard. <laughs> By the way, AI is, 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 I was just thinking about this again today, has killed me. My name's Al, so I see AI oh, everywhere no. now. It's I getting even worse. saw it when I saw your name. I was like, what if AI? What can you do? <laughs> I mean, like, it, it's like dog squirrel. I mean, I'm always like, what? Oh, that's just, they're talking about AI. I again. think it's, it's great. I think you just own it as part of your brand. You know, that, maybe already, that's what I need to do, right? Yeah, you're already <laughs> half cyborg. It's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> perfect. I like that. So, Let's start right there. AI all over the news today. I have friends that uh, are not in the tech business, yet they now know about chat GPT. What the hell's going on with AI today? I mean, why is it so big at this moment in time in history? 
Yeah, um, I, I think this is one of the most interesting questions um, because nothing this massive happens overnight. This is not, um, you know, even I think we're now at six months since ChatGPT was released. Um, and in that time, it's not that the thing that was released had never existed. It absolutely had existed. All of that was public. Um, the only thing that changed was the user interface. And the user interface, which was a way for humans, for people like us, for our grandparents, for whoever it is, um, to engage with AI in a way that made it fun, that made it real, um, that was interesting, and that frankly just captured consumer attention in a way that has not just caught us off guard, it's caught everyone off guard. Um, and so I think that is worth noting that everyone is actually more on the same like playing field here um, because we are all beginners. You know, we are still so early in this journey. Um, and yet at the same time, the underlying technology was not just released. This has been, you know, worked on since the you know, original Transformer paper in 2017. Um, so there's there's a lot to unpack in terms of why now. Um, but to me, the why now is the user interface um, and that sort of mode of chatting um, with something that felt so intelligent and so original um, and really made people question uh, the assumptions they had around AI. One of the ones I always think of is, uh, I think we always thought, um, or the, the narrative around AI was that it would take blue collar jobs. Um, well, what's the first thing that, you know, through ChatGPT, um, it seemed like it was the best at? Those creative, those like artistic, those tasks that weren't just um, uh, like, you know, the opposite of rote right. tasks and blue collar jobs, they were things that we thought of as uniquely human. And so I think that way of showing, um, it, was, it, was, it was a really important narrative violation that I think has changed what AI means and made it really real for the average consumer or person. I couldn't agree with you more. You know, it's, it's kind of almost disappointing for me because like, you know, I've had this podcast as we were talking earlier for the last five years. The subject I include more than any other subject is probably AI. I talk to friends, colleagues, you know, well, friends, let's start there, about <laughs> AI all the time. And most of the time, they're like, yeah, that's interesting. And then like something like ChatGPT comes out and like, it's like, oh my God, can you <laughs> believe this? I'm like, yeah, I, I've been talking to you about this the, the whole time. This isn't new news. But it's like you've got to visualize and be able to see it. Once you see it, then it changes the whole. It was too concept. abstract. It was too abstract, yeah. and I think it was concentrate. I think um, it was still the adoption was still fairly low, and so the number, the sheer number of people who even knew what was possible before was just quite small, certainly compared to today. Um, and this is even before we talk about from a business perspective. Right. So even if you're just looking from a sheer consumer perspective, I think it's just the population difference in terms of awareness and that deeper level of understanding, even if it's still fairly surface level, is is remarkably different. Yeah, I agree. Hey, um, so look, talking a little bit more about the concept of, of AI 
before we go into tribe or coalition, whatever you want to go through first. But I was reflecting. It appears that we're all over AI, around bias, around accuracy, around should we allow AI to do our thinking? Point is, is on this trust thing, on hallucinations, which is big, mm-hmm. what's your view on all this? Where do you think we are? Where do you think we need to go? Is chat GPT usable for the enterprise where it stands today? Uh, maybe that's a lead into to tribe actually, but. There are a lot of questions in there. So you're, you're, <laughs> get started and then direct me. Um, and okay. maybe come back to the business question. I think okay. the first is around, you know, how, how can we all be comfortable with AI thinking for us? Um, I think maybe the, the first thing I would challenge is um, we are so far from that, um, is my view. Um, and that today, I think my optimistic case, my like uh, most excited investor hat, the thing that gets me excited for our society, for our world, is not that it thinks for me, it's that it makes me smarter. Um, right. It's not that I'm relegating all my thinking or getting stupider um, because I no longer have to use that muscle. It's that actually my thoughts are better, that I you know, have now superpowers, that I can challenge myself or we can challenge students, that we all can grow through these tools. Um, to me, that's what's most exciting and empowering um, about the potential applications for um, the individual, but then sort of society as a whole. I do think there's elements where it might be able to think for you. I'll give you an example. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is, I had somebody on the podcast previously that had a had a text app, and he includes AI, generative learning in the app so that it can answer texts. You know, you have to say sure. yes, all but it's kind of weird that you would have somebody texting or an AI bot texting on your behalf. However, I, I have like these issues or these situations all the time where I like, I'm like, where should I put this file? I don't know. And I put it in some obscure file and then I find out there's something else there. That's exactly the same document. You know what I mean? I get this. In other words, I did the same thing that, I've done before, but I didn't recognize it at first. In other words, but AI would probably say, I know where you're going to put it. Here's where you're going to put it. I'll save you the the three minutes you're thinking about it because you've already done it. I absolutely know what you mean. I think maybe the distinction I'm drawing is between thinking for you and acting for you. Um, So thinking, I think, is, um, is like uh, maybe the like piece that I think will stay not stay innately human, but uh, I hope that humans retain um, freeing up our time to not have to think about certain tasks. Mm -hmm. I am very pro. I need that yesterday um, and and really like that idea. I think of that as uh, like, you know, having agents, um, right? Having, uh, having, AI have agency over particular tasks um, or actions. I think there are questions around when you talk about agents, is this actually a much more universal agent? I think that is still, there's still a lot of challenges to getting there um, towards when you can make multiple leaps. Um, But for today, the ability to act on particularly defined tasks 
that's possible. That exists. You can do that with, you know, open AI plugins, et cetera. Um, mm -hmm. And I think is a really exciting application. Um, and where I think this is all going is towards much more of that agent, true agent, more autonomous agent model. Um, and I think you are right to bring up these questions around trust, which is what will need to change in order for us to trust a being a AI acting on our behalf without us having predefined what the parameters are for this. Um, and I think that those are actually like some of the most interesting questions we will have to figure out. Um, and I suspect it will um, take some really novel, in the same way that ChatGPT was a novel user interface, I suspect there will be novel consumer experiences that embed trust into AI in a way that it isn't there today or yet. When I'm pressed for my fears around AI, uh, I'm not fearful about taking jobs. I think we'll be surprised, as you, as you said earlier, what jobs it will take. And I think it'll create new jobs, just like the Industrial Revolution did. Yeah. I'm not uh, fearful of the Terminator in any stretch. But you kind of, the, the trust issue, I guess I'm a little, if, if there's anything that worries me, it's, it's fake news. Mm. It's just how misinformation, we got enough mis misinformation today. This could proliferate the amount of misinformation, particularly, particularly in the concept of hallucination. Does that worry you? So I'm not sure the hallucinations worry me. Um, to me, on hallucinations, there's like a training gap, which is that, when the average person is engaging with OpenAI or ChatGPT, um, they just don't know that it sometimes hallucinates. They don't know that they can't trust that information. That's what worries me. <laughs> yeah, but that's, but that's an education gap, right? Yeah, this is something true. new. And I think that we are missing the educations, the framing, um, uh, and the guardrails of how to engage Correct. with these tools. Um, and so when I sort of think about what will need to change in order for there to be trust, it's, it's things like that. Um, how do you actually build that into a user flow such that we are prompting people to be thinking about these things or calling out when there might be hallucinations or make it more like an Easter egg hunt where you have to find the hallucinations, right? You gamify it so that people are actually training the system um, and it's a feature, you know, of, of this mm -hmm. sort of tool. Um, but, but I think the, the part that does worry me for sure is, is misinformation, it's deep fakes, it's, um, mm -hmm. it, it, I think we've, we already have this problem. Um, and I think through social media, through the distribution of this content, um, that, that, that's had scary and very real ramifications across our society. Um, I, I think the, the thing that gives me confidence is that is it, is it is a known problem. Um, which is to say, we, we know that this misinformation is a problem. Um, and uh, I am a believer in human creativity to solve problems that we know. Um, and so I, I'm an optimist on this, which is we need solutions. They don't exist yet. But I believe there will be lots of smart people who will focus on this problem. What, what actually probably worries me more is the unknown problems 
Um, the things we can't foresee that will be problems or ramifications <laughs> um, because those will be much harder to solve um, and we might not realize they are problems for a long time. Um, but it's, it's truly unknowable what those will be. Um, and again, I bet on you know human creativity and ingenuity. Like it, positive a positive mindset. I got it. So what do you want to start first? What's the natural flow? Is it tribe or coalition? I, I'm, I'm interested in both. We, we can do either. I think maybe like a natural segue across both is, is thinking about business adoption. Okay. So I think that was your last question. Yes, um, it was part of my last question. Yeah, I, I think we've talked a lot about consumer adoption um, and that's remarkable. Um, it is, uh, I think, you know, ChatGPT has surpassed TikTok and Netflix mm -hmm. and Instagram just in a, a tiny fraction of the time. Um, what's most interesting to me, um, because for consumers, this has happened before. It's just never happened this quickly. So that's wild and truly unprecedented. The thing that feels even crazier to me is what we talked about at the beginning, which is businesses, companies, especially big ones, are kind of slow. Um, and they are not slow about AI right now. Um, and that is actually unlike anything we've seen before. Um, and, and so I, I think that, to me, is one of the things that sort of signals something really different about this shift, signals that this truly is a platform shift and not a fad, uh, because there, there just has never been this much mass company and enterprise adoption against a new technology. Um, and so uh, this, is, this is important, I think, for both tribe and coalition, which is to say for coalition as an investor, I am very bullish that the you know, $91 billion AI market today will far surpass SaaS, it will far surpass cloud, um, and, uh, and really that the, the addressable market for AI is massive. Um, and I'm particularly excited about this trend around accelerating business adoption in AI, uh, because there are still quite a few barriers. And I think there's tremendous opportunity for a company creation perspective, from a company creation perspective and investing perspective. And then for Tribe, um, it, it dramatically changes the landscape for us, which is to say our job is to help companies adopt AI. Well, if now all of a sudden every company wants to adopt AI, there are lots of more interesting ways we can be thinking about how to solve that problem. Um, and we're really well positioned to do that. Hey, podcast listeners, now that we have Jacqueline's view on AI, next week we'll dive into our two companies, Tribe and Coalition. See you on Making Data Simple next week.